0: it's a podcast party it's going down defocus media 2020 glance in one place oh yeah i hope you're ready for this let's tap in let's make the magic happen let's go this is a defocused media production what are your job? What's up everyone? It's your favorite optometrist, Dr. Daryl Glover.
1: And I'm Dr. Jennifer Lyerly, resident optometry nerd.
0: And welcome to Defocus Media, optometry's number one podcast, where we discuss the hottest topics, latest technology, eyewear, practice management, and more. So sit back, relax, and defocus. what's up what's up everyone it's your favorite optometrist dr daryl glover and i'm here with two of my favorites tonight, care definitely one that's a part of my heart we all know dr jennifer lyrely without her Defocus media wouldn't even be a thing dr jennifer lyrely is a rock star optometrist as you know game changer and just anything that you can think of she has the answer to but then also we got our third coat counterpart right jen we got Dr. Jackie from 2020 Glance out here representing, doing a damn thing, always keeping us up to date when it comes to the latest and greatest and trends and news and stuff as well. How are you ladies doing this evening?
1: Doing great. And you know, Daryl, if someone really
2: knows everything, it's always Jackie. <laughs> <we all> <laughs> this is a lot of pressure. Sometimes I feel like this is too much pressure. Like I don't know or retain everything that I read. But yeah, yeah. but you're was- the reason I know what I know because I'm reading your. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. It's so nice to hang with you guys.
0: I know. This is an annual
1: it's... tradition. It's kind mm. of like, you know, you're, you go through the holidays, and then we know that Daryl, Jen, and Jackie are going to podcast together and catch mm. up on the year and have a really good time talking about optometry. So we couldn't miss this year because this is what we look forward to most.
2: Yeah. I know. Same. Yeah. I I, uh, I feel like I don't see you guys as often as I – um. I, I feel like I said this last year, actually. I was like, guys, we don't see each other often enough. Oh, but Daryl, I did run into you at a conference. That's
1: we right. did. It was
0: at AOA. And, we, um, saw we saw each other it. at
1: the AOA meeting. That just was yeah. like it was like six months ago now yeah, or so. No, you know. at, a, at a burger
0: joint out of all places. It wasn't even a conference. It was a burger joint.
2: <laughs> yeah. That is really random. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited to do this. I love doing a good recap on what you know happened in 2023 and catching up on what's going to hopefully come in 2024. So I'm excited to do this.
1: Well, let's first catch up with you. So tell us what's going on in the life of Dr. Dr. Jackie Garlic.
2: Oh, so uh, life is um, good. It's busy. This year has started off um, very busy, just as busy as December for some reason, January's. I don't know if you guys are feeling that in your clinics, but it's been very busy, um, which is great. Yeah. So I'm just, I, you know, I have a, a practice in Boston that is growing every year, which is, is great. And you know my my goal is always to just see only dry eye patients that is where i get the most enjoyment so that is my goal someday is to just be only seeing dry eye patients i still do um you know a decent amount of primary care but it the dry eye practice you know especially practice part of it is growing so that's exciting and fun and yeah it's, it's all good it's all good
1: and you are podcasting as well. I just listened to your uh, recent podcast episode with your new co host, Dr. Jessalyn Quinn. Yes. Where can people check out your podcast?
2: Yeah. So you can um, view the podcast. It's called to the point podcast. And this is talking about everything ocular surface disease related. So if you're into retina, you will not find this podcast enjoyable. (laughs) Uh, But if you're into dry eye, like, you know, take a listen. It's Jessalyn Quint who I'm sure many of you already know. um, And I do the podcast together and we do it. It's on um, uh, BMC. So you can find it on iTunes. The podcast is to the point and the idea is that we try to get to the point. Like I'm all about short, you know, say it in fewer words. Is, it won't sound like it as I'm talking now, but I try to like, we make everything concise and just kind of, you know, get to the point. So, to the point podcast is what it's called. So, yeah, tune in.
0: Well, you're getting a lot of love from the audience. Everyone's saying they love it. We got some first time oh. listeners. You know, shout out to everyone that's representing. Oh. I see one of our other podcasts is out there, Dr. Nadia with the depth perception. Uh, oh. Continue the great work. We're loving everything that you guys are doing. Um, Dr. Jackie, I wanted to touch on something that you you mentioned, and this is something that I would love for all my colleagues to to really take in and, and hone in on. And, um, you know, you mentioned how much you love dry eye. Then you talked about the podcast you have is all about ocular surface stuff. Right. My father at a young age, when I was younger, told me that I should always stay in my lane. Right. And that's exactly what you're doing. You have a love, you have a passion and you're, 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 you're basically building a vertical for something that you love instead of just being all over the place and doing all types of things. And I think, you know, for some of these younger optometrists that are coming out and they're trying to figure out where they want to go, it's great to kind of dabble in different things, but you don't have to do that your entire career. But once you find something that you're great at, something that you love, just really be excellent and great at that and scale it more than anything.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's totally true. I honestly, I was not into ocular surface disease that much until about 2018. And I, but prior to that, I mean, I did a residency in ocular disease. Like I was all about the back of the eye. I thought this was so cool. And now I'm just like, uh, like, give me like some anterior seg thing. I prefer that. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I was kind of like, I think it's a good advice. You just need to try it all. And once yeah. you find something that you really like dive in, but then that may change. Like I what could care less about dry eye, you know, when my, when I first graduated. So, you know, it, it changed and, you know, for a variety of reasons, I started gaining a lot of interest in that. I thought, God, this is actually a lot more complex and, and interesting. And like, this is a space that optometry can really own. And I found it, I find it all very interesting. So yeah, you're, it's, it's a good thing to, um, be okay with being really uncomfortable about knowing things. Like I was out of school probably eight years before I was like, okay, tell me about ocular surface disease. And I remember like talking to this group of like specialists, like ocular surface disease specialists. And I was like, can't you just tell like an inflamed, an eyes inflamed, like without point of care testing? And they were all like, like what? Like, <laughs> and I was like oh, I don't know. I-, I I just felt like an idiot, but I was. N- not a new grad, you know, so you also have to be comfortable being like, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone and just ask a lot of dumb questions just to learn, so
0: yeah, I love it, I love it, I love it well Jen, kind of guide us, um, you know, it's yes. a podcast party you kind of help guide us and navigate through this uh, uh, journey and I'm super excited to see where we're going to go next, my friend.
1: Like all podcasts I'll drive and everybody else will have the fun conversation
0: through. <room. laughs> <laughs> Jen is the most prepared,
2: has all the notes, we just- That's why to- I'm here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, so our, my vision of the podcast is to look forward to 2024, we must look back at 2023. And so we're going to hit what each of us feel like was kind of the biggest story in optometry that's going to impact the future of optometry. Um, So I'll kick us off. My big story of 2023 was definitely the Florida, don't say Dr. Bill shenanigans, because I feel like, yes, it was a moment in time for Florida optometry, but it has major impacts on optometry as a whole. And this is not a one time thing that now is on the shelf and we don't have to worry about anymore, because I think we're seeing a changing tide of medical and ophthalmology going more on the offensive, where in the past it's been optometry presenting these bills for scope expansion and they've been on the defensive. So I'm gonna give you guys a little bit of a background of exactly what happened. Um, The bill we're talking about in Florida was SB 230. It was presented in the spring of 2023. And basically the proposal was that if you were not a physician, then you could not use the term doctor, uh or um similar kind of physician titles and it was a felony offense with a ten thousand dollar fine if you were found calling yourself a doctor if you were not a physician now it went through several rounds of the house and then to the senate at the senate level they tried to add some amendments and some of the professions that got amendments on there included chiropractor um, veterinary medicine dentistry they added uh, amendment for optometry to be able to call themselves doctor then, though, when it went back to the house, that amendment was taken out. Though so dentistry and chiropractor and a podiatrist all got to keep their amendments in there. Um, this then went on to the governor to sign into law, and Governor DeSantis did actually veto this bill. But it, there was a lot of momentum and and concerns as well as it sat on his desk with what was his decision going to be because it was a Republican-packed bill, and he was going against his party by Mm -hmm. vetoing this bill. Um, So an optometry, Florida, has an optometry school, as we all know, graduating doctors of optometry, it would have created a major issue, and I think some of these things was why Governor DeSantis did veto this legislation. But... Florida was just one of the states that had these don't say doctor bills in play. There were 10 states, excuse me, um, several states that had these legislation involved, including Connecticut, California, Massachusetts, where you were at, Dr. Gullick, North Carolina, where we are at, Daryl, Wisconsin, Texas. So multiple states had similar legislation that right now are all in committee or being tabled, nothing that's coming up for a vote. But these are things actively kind of trying to happen in the background and i think the takeaway here is we can try to educate what optometry does to the public but at the end of the day it's not the public who makes our laws it's those a hundred people sitting in the chairs of the house or the senate at your state level and all it takes is a majority of people in that room to make a decision so that's why it is so important to get involved in legislation and your um, state chapters of optometric societies, because you've got to talk to those very few number of people and make sure they're not getting a one sided conversation.
0: Yeah, 100 percent, Jen. And, you know, I, I love that you brought this up and I love that this was your your favorite of the year. Right. Because, um, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. Right. As optometrists, we have to work together. It doesn't matter what mode of practice. It doesn't matter who you work for. It doesn't matter what state you're in you know, like all of this could be taken away from us tomorrow. So it's up to us to fight for our rights. It's up to us to partner with the AOA, our state societies, Um, support them with money, uh, support them with time, uh, support them with calls, but most importantly, being leaders inside your exam lane with your patients, but most importantly, being exam, or excuse me, uh, leaders outside the exam lane uh, with your legislators, right? We got to get in positions where when things are popping up, whether it's the mayor, the governor, a senator, a house of representative, they contact us first mm-hmm. about anything health care related because we are very qualified to know the entire body. So why not give a real answer, a real solution and make things better? Right. all in our hands we dictate our future but we gotta step our game up as optometrists and i think with this florida um deal it really brought us together because it was doctors from all kinds of states calling down to florida right i mean Mm -hmm. talk about that teamwork that was impressive in my eyes
2: yeah i I, I think this also is is like you know i think sometimes there are these walls and like optometry becomes kind of siloed and we're supporting each other but really we need to be like really working and co-managing with other providers and like being out there in that way. So that the impression that another provider in a different specialty has of optometry is positive. And so I think there's also, you know, trying to develop relationships with your local ophthalmologist, your rheumatologist. So people really understand what optometry is doing. I think there is still, you know, I I, I totally think this and where I am in Boston is that there's a misunderstanding of what optometry actually can do. So. I think that's also kind of rally your colleagues, you know, make good referrals, like establish good relationships with your with your people and and, you know, build a good networks that that knows what you're capable of doing and how you can help, you know, and co-manage patients together.
0: Yeah, they're saying that they think they had uh, received about 14 000 to 15,000 calls. Wow. This is from one of our online uh, viewers here. I mean, that's a lot of calls, awesome. right? Can you imagine your phone ringing that amount of times, uh, Jack?
1: <laughs> <Ooh>.
0: <laughs> don't know about that one. That's a lot of calls. Though. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and there, um, you know, we as we are looking forward to this, there's a lot of stuff about scope of practice still kind of forthcoming. Right Not 10 states right now have the ability to perform. Uh, laser surgery for the eye, including SLT and YAG, for example. Many more have legislation that they're planning to launch or have been launched and are in kind of discussion now at the state legislature level. Um, But we're facing some major shortages across medical care in the new future. Y'all probably saw the study about how they're expecting a 12% decline in the available ophthalmologists to serve um, United States citizens over the next 10 years. So more ophthalmologists are retiring than are graduating. So we're facing some major issues when we look at patients needing some of these surgeries. And if there are surgical procedures that optometry can help take the load off of, that's going to be much better for our patients in the long run if they're not having six months 12-month wait times for a YAG procedure, for example.
0: Yeah. And for those that want to learn more about what the future of eye care looks like for optometry and ophthalmology, uh, Defocus Media did an incredible podcast with Dr. Richard Edlow, and he went through all the numbers, and he took it from top to bottom, inside and out. So make sure you tap into that podcast, go to defocusmediagroup.com and check it out, or go to our YouTube page as well and get up to date, because you need to know that information. So when you're having this conversation with those legislators, with your patients, you know what type of conversation to have.
1: Jackie, what was your big story of 2023?
2: So um, this is a little bit lighter than what we have just been talking about. We don't okay.
0: like light. We need heavy.
2: Guess, I'm going right. to segue us into a into a better um, really <laughs> positive story. Okay. Or for me, I feel like this is a good one. I was most excited about Tarsus's approval of Xdenvy. So I, that is the, the eye drop that is to treat demonx blepharitis twice a day dosing for six weeks. I have prescribed that a lot and I'm, I remain very happy with the results of that. So, I mean, Demodex for any dry eye um, person has, you know, anyone that treats dry eye sees Demodex and it, for me, I felt has been very difficult to actually rid someone of Demodex, even with in-office treatments or, uh, IPL or tea tree wipes, tea tree oil wipes at home. So, for for me having this and and just it actually works like the clinical trials say that it works has been really wonderful. So I that was my like big exciting thing for this year that I've just been happy to offer patients now.
0: Now, Jen, you know I want to dive deeper in this, but I know we're going to touch on this a little later on. We can talk, we about talk about it so I, I prescribed You're going
2: off schedule. Just hey. Jen's got a schedule, okay? So stick to
0: it. <laughs> oh, Jen would tell you, if you sit down with me, that's schedule. You might as well throw it out the window. Yeah. Well, we believe, got not, believe it or not, I'm a planner. It's just when it comes to podcasts, it truly <laughs> is a party. I just kind of go with the flow, right? But uh, no, I want, I want to touch on this and expand a little more, uh, uh, Jackie, because I prescribed this in my office and I'm now coming up on maybe the six weeks where patients um, are following up. And I think I... I, I I ran into a problem with that follow-up time period. I almost think that I should have brought them back at a three-week mark, right? Because I think I'm past some of the six weeks with some of those patients. And I don't know if I lost those patients. So I'm curious to know, are you waiting the full six weeks before you bring them back? Or are you splitting it in half? Because the way I see it, if you bring them back earlier... That's healthier for the patient and keeps them compliant, but it's also healthier for the practice as well with a medical office visit. So I'm curious to know what are you doing when you have this conversation in the exam lane as well?
2: So I take a photo. I have a slit lamp um, camera, which you do not need, but I just, this was, this has been my process from the very beginning. I took a before photo, mm-hmm. told the patient that I'm going to prescribe this. I, I, in reality, I read the studies. I think it's going to work well, but I don't know. in in you know, <laughs> clinical reality. And so I said, but I, so I want to see you back in two months. At first I said, I'll see you back in six weeks, but you don't get XMB right away. There's like a little bit of um, some You're time right. getting it. So I realized that later. So I said, so now I just say, I'll see you back in two months. And then I take an after photo. And this is honestly more for me. I mean, the patient, I think, enjoys it also. But I'm seeing them back for a medical visit and an, uh, into your seg, like an external photograph for that at that visit. But I'm doing it around the two month mark. I don't okay. know- if if I I don't think doing it at th- in my opinion I don't think doing it at three weeks is going to give you anything and I, I don't think it's going to give you the full picture on how well the medication is working or not for the patient to even just reassure like it's working because people are motivated to take a medication when they think they have a mite when they're told right. they have mites so it, and and for me the drop has been really well tolerated and I've had no one discontinued because of any adverse event so. Um, it's an easy drop to take. I say take it when you brush your teeth, so morning and evening. Presumably, everyone's you know brushing their teeth twice a day. Uh, <laughs> that's like ha- how I—that's how I've been, you know, doing it. And so now I have a lot of confidence in the drop. I, I am still seeing people back at the um, two-month mark, and it, it's honestly just a quick visit because I'm just like, oh, are they here? Are they here? What do these lids look like? How are your symptoms? Okay, great. But that's—that's that's how I've handled it. But I think there's a variety of ways you could go about doing that
0: yeah i was i was just curious i mean and and to your point maybe there was a little bit of a delay in them getting the medication Mm -hmm. so i know i'm like i I probably should have one back this week um so i know i'm kind of in that gray zone right so i'm curious to see because i prescribed it maybe like six times right and i'm not in the clinic every single day so i know my schedule could be a little wonky and it's a long waiting list too so I wrote the patient's names down Uh, next week when I get back in the clinic. I'm going to check and see if they're on the books because I just don't want to lose them. Because like you, I take pictures. I have Mm -hmm. an external camera on both of my slit lamps and both of my exam lanes. And um, it's game changing. It Mm -hmm. has really helped change the game for me also when I talk to women about makeup
2: Mm -hmm. and
0: um, uh, makeup on the waterline, false lashes, because now I can show them. Right. I mean, a lot of times us as guys, when we're talking about these things to women, they're like, "Uh, whatever. Right. And now with these older guys and we see all these mites, they're like, yeah, whatever. When you show them, they're like, those are bugs. They're like, hell no. Nah. I yeah. got to do something about that. Right. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, I think there's a little bit of a delicate balance between like freaking someone out with like you have mites. I just make it seem very normal. Like this yeah. is normal. We all have this on our skin. It's just an overgrowth of this. Yada yada. But yeah. um, but yeah, photos are amazing. And I'm also, Daryl, so proud of you that you just said makeup on the waterline. Like I love that you know what the waterline yeah, is. I know, it's so good. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my
0: game up. Look, you hang around Jen long enough, right? And yourself, you start to learn these things, right? But I'll tell you what, I'm telling you, those first couple of years, I was getting that pushback, but then I started to change my verbiage. Now I got that external <laughs> camera. And, um, you know, I'm just like a kid at at work. You know, I just got all these cool toys to play with Mm -hmm. and um, it's changed the game for me.
2: You know what? And I before I'm sorry, Jenna, I before like would um, hold my iPhone up to the ocular. Like you don't need the fancy equipment like you can easily take this photograph. And but the evidence is like very um, profound for the patient to actually see that.
0: I used to do my iPad back in the day before I got Mm -hmm. the external camera. That's what uh, warranted. Right. You know, a lot of times we like to buy these toys. And then we never use them, right? <laughs> but I had to prove to myself that I was going to use that external camera. So once I got to the point where I got tired of doing this number to try to get through the oculars, um, made the investment in the practice to get the external cameras.
1: I wanted to ask about cost because I will say I, it's on my to-do list. I I definitely want to prescribe this. The one time I had a conversation with someone about it, it was early on and it like just gotten approved. And mm-hmm. he was like, well, how much is it going to cost? I have like this really bad insurance. Um, And I typed it in and it was like a thousand some dollars. And I was like, and he was like, no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) What is it typically for people with more normal insurance?
2: Yeah. So it's usually no more than $50. So um, I have found that to be true for the majority of my, of patients, but there are absolutely these one-offs where. $800, $1,200, um, $800, 1200, you'll, you'll get quoted these like high numbers. And I think some of this has to do with obviously the insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I use, there's also a few specialty pharmacies that, that has also flip-flopped a little bit on which was the best one. Blink was like overrun, I think with Mybo plus extend handling all these scripts. So there was a big backlog in using Blink. I used that at first, and now I'm doing the, the CVS specialty pharmacy that they, they'll give you a little handout um, on what pharmacies to use. But now that's
0: the thing I will say, Jackie, that handout was a game changer. Mm-hmm. And I love that they actually had a variety of pharmacies, Walgreens and CVS in particular, because most of my patients that come through my doors go to one of those two pharmacies, right? Yeah. Isn't it weird, the dynamic between people and their pharmacy, even though their pharmacy raises hell with them about giving them (laughs) drugs, but they're so loyal. To the pharmacies, I just don't understand that dynamic or concept. Yeah,
2: my people are not loyal. Like all of my people hate pharmacies, like hate the pharmacy.
0: that's a North Carolina thing. I mean, Jim, the people.
1: If I tell them we want to, we're going to use a mailer pharmacy, they're like,
2: ugh.
0: Yeah, they
1: really hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm
2: like, wow. yeah. I'm usually like, don't worry, they're going to ship it to you for free, and then somebody's like, oh, okay, great. That's how that. <laughs> you would think
1: that <laughs> that would be a. It's just like pulling their teeth. They're like, "I don't want them to text me. I don't want them." And I'm like, oh wow! <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: Here, we're a little different in North Carolina, but I'm <laughs> all all North Carolinians, oh. right? <laughs> <laughs> Daryl, what's your big uh, 2023 story? Are you ready for this? Hold on, hold on. Let me uh, switch over so I can tell you what my big story. <laughs> so we are just talking about technology cameras. So. <clears throat> Check these bad boys out. These are the Ray-Ban Meta smart glasses. To me, this is the highlight of the year. These glasses have changed the game. They had Generation 1 out the year prior earlier this year, but they have taken it to the next level. Um, Let me just run down a couple things here. Number one, they have 150 different frame and lens combinations. They have, uh, what is it, Uh, a 12-megapixel camera uh, uh, what is this? Uh, 180. Let me take a step back here. Um, all right. So let's take it from the beginning here. So what they have is a video camera, camera, live streaming streaming. (laughs) their prescription. I have transcript, uh, transitions in these, they're lightweight, they're fashionable. They have new designs, um, you can live stream on Instagram with these as well, right? So mm-hmm. when I'm telling you this is next level, this is next level. And the reason why I was kind of getting my words mixed up earlier because they're talking to me right now while I was talking, it's actually listening to music right now. So let me take it off because it's yes. hearing various things that I'm talking about. But when I tell you these are next level, this is where it's at, you guys. These wearables, these smart glasses, mm-hmm. if you don't have these in your practice yet, invest in them because they're going to change the game for you. I'm having patients come in and asking for these glasses left and right. Really? Um, so wow. um, I'm seeing them all from you know the the Ray-Ban joints to the um, Saffilo has one now where they've partnered with Amazon with the Carrera design. Um, there's another one out there known as Lucid, but hands down, no doubt about it, um, Essilor has done a fantastic job. Essilor Exotica with this uh, with this um, uh, pair of glasses. Again, 1080p when it comes to video, I mean, the the, the quality of the the video is just uh, priceless. I mean, you can't get any better than that. And then again, a 12 uh, megapixel uh, camera, it's it's just precise, it's clear, it's acute. It's damn near better than your phone. And um, it's just a click of a button or speaking to it, saying, hey, Meta, do this, that, and a third, and it makes the magic happen. So for me, that was the biggest deal right there. And I'm telling y'all, mark my word, I'm glad we're doing this on video. Two, three (laughs) years from now, everybody's going to be wearing these. Watch. Okay.
2: I have some follow-up questions to this.
0: Follow-up. Follow Let's go.
2: N- number one, what? how much does this cost, this frame?
0: So that's a great question. I want to say mm-hmm. around 250 something, I want to say, 299 possibly. Oh, I'm sure because, you know. That's well, better than
2: I thought. I'm your favorite
0: optometrist, so, you know, I get things a little differently, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> what baby. else got
2: Um. Did this come out this year? Because I swear that this was your favorite thing
0: last year.
1: All right, I we talked about this before. Last year, we all fell off our chair when he said rabian Stories What's yep. his favorite. That thing? was
0: Generation One. This <laughs> is Generation this is Two. The
1: new version.
0: This is the got new it. Version. Got it. This is the new version, and they are two ninety nine. I'm looking at the website right now. So two ninety nine. You got I'm it. I'm
1: glad that there have been, obviously like the the live stream to Instagram, that's a big improvement. I'm not gonna lie. Like when we sold our one pair of Facebook stories last year, the whole office cheered.
0: <laughs> 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 it
1: was not a good seller in our our practice, but I think you have to have someone that's a believer that What's like- you, in in his personal life, you gotta have a believer, have have right? Someone who like can talk about it. And I honestly, like after that podcast, Daryl, I came to my optician. I was like, this is how we talk about these glasses your newborn daughter is starting to walk for the first time and you don't have your phone nearby and you just tap right here and you take a video yeah, that's and it. you know a couple months later he sold those glasses
0: <laughs> so you see what i'm saying and the cool thing is and i actually just dropped a um a youtube video on these glasses as well I had the opportunity to hang out with Dan Adler from uh, Ray-Ban um he's uh, VP of global marketing and um you know he was they 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 heard that right Jim because they now have a lot of support whether it's contacting someone or support items for your practice as well. So they really listened to all the gaps and they found solutions for these gaps. But again, I think this is going to be a game changer for us. Um, If they come out with generation three next year, y'all going to hear me say the same thing. Um, I just love these glasses. I think they're, I mean, it it bothers my wife, right? Because I can record her and um, harass her. Uh, You know what I'm saying? Uh, But again, game changer. And a cool thing that I like that they really changed the case look at the size of this case
1: it was huge before yeah Mm. because it had to have a charger in there
0: yeah and this is the charger that charges right
1: technology is getting better and better look at that oh
0: yeah like that's what i'm saying like the game has changed
1: i saw SL exotica has a kind of a again a wearable um but they're doing a prototype where there is a hearing aid
0: oh yeah, Yep. Um,
1: which is I mean incredible. It's called it like
0: nuance or something like really, that. Really,
1: really big. So I do think that wearables is going to be a big part of our future, um, and we all know as America continues to age, having hearing aids that are less cumbersome that can be fit and prescribed without an audiologist as a specialist like it's just built into your glasses that you're getting anyway I mean there's a lot of potential upside to wearable technology that we're just beginning to explore especially yeah. if it can be lighter weight less bulky that's sort the of first
2: time
0: mm-hmm. yeah and fashion forward I mean that's the key right I think with all these earlier smart glasses whether it was Google whether it was Amazon whether it's first generation SL Exotica like it, the frame just wasn't where it needed to be right but now this frame looks exactly like your traditional Wayfarer or whatever other design. And now they have even cooler designs that are out there. I mean, that's what it's all about. People want to be able to see and function, but look good as well, but also be able to have access to their technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to paint just one last picture and then I'm going to leave it alone so we can keep going. Cause I'll keep going if you let me, Jen, right? <laughs> but um, just imagine this, um, you mm-hmm. know, you're, you're going to the mall, right? You have these glasses on, right? You need to look up something. All you got to do is just say, hey, Meta, And it looks up whatever you need to say. There's a YouTube video or something you want to watch while your significant other is shopping, doing something right. You can pull out your phone and look at it or you can listen to a podcast and no one knows you're doing anything. I mean, like it is a game changer, y'all. I'm telling y'all watch and mark my words.
2: I can't wait for this podcast next year. (laughs) And it's going to happen. I can't wait.
0: wait. Awesome. (laughs) all right gonna start talking about that what's up next what do you got for us
1: all right we're gonna do a game we played last year mm-hmm. that is um poorly named but i couldn't come up with a better name again this time <laughs> i call it flop <laughs> <laughs> and so we're going to talk about some of the medication um approvals this year that came to market and whether we feel like they have been successful or they have flopped. I think XDem-V we already covered really well, and clearly yeah. that has been a win for you guys that have tried it, it is on my to do list to try. And the only thing they'll add that we didn't mention was um, if you uh, so a lot of most of my patients, I feel like I've been talking about lid cleansers for so long. I don't see a lot of collarettes, but they do have chronic redness. They have rosacea. yada. yada. And um, Dr. Perryman was talking about She's like, if you have a rosacea type patient and you see even one cholerate, just one. Yeah, that's an ex patient. So I don't think of these as like the totally like all mm-hmm. of the pictures online. Think of your one or two ex person that always has chronic irritation and that you haven't gotten on anything else. That's probably the Demodex, why you haven't got them under control.
0: Mm-hmm. Love it. Totally
2: Love agree. It. Totally agree. Nice.
1: All right. So we know that's one that we are planning on trying a little bit more. Viewity was approved for BID dosing in March of 2023. and Um, How has Vuity fit into your practice this year? More so, less so? I know last time I was kind of dour and I felt like everyone else was more positive about it. And I I wonder, checking in, have opinions changed?
2: I would say this is not a big part of my practice. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think for a variety of reasons, but I just haven't had a good response when I bring this up to patients. And um, yeah, it, it, it just hasn't. But, you know, we have another, there's also another uh, presbyopia drop that's approved too. So we have Closy, which is, which is you know, 0.4%. So it's less uh, strong pilo, and uh, it's also preservative free. So I don't know if I'm going to change, you know, I, I, I will absolutely, you know, sort of try this out, but just to always try every, try all the new things. But I would say it's just not a huge part of my practice at this moment. What
0: about you guys? Yeah, so I mean, I know there's gonna be another drop too by Lens Therapeutics. I don't think it's the same company that you're Mm -hmm. referring to, but they're using a different approach. Same, I think, um, somewhat mechanism, but it's a little different from you know the the previous ones. But for me, it's it's I I leveraged it the first year it came out. Over this last year, not as much. Um, You know, it's just you get into your zones, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that just wasn't my zone for this year. But I want to give a shout out to Allergan because they make a hell of a drop, right? Uh, When it comes to just drops in general, they always get it down. And um, I just look at this drop as another tool in your tool belt, depending on the patient base that you serve and what the patients need. So it's an opportunity for folks that are out there. You just got to make sure you have the right patient to align with that uh, drop of choice more than anything. But this year, not as much as I have uh, previously.
1: I I really want presbyopia drops to work like y'all, but as this was coming out, I had made this presbyopia management protocol. I had this stuff about how we were going to do a pre visit and then we would see them back for their follow up visit and like it was going to be a big part of my practice and what bombed was that it was underwhelming. Like the results just weren't good enough for people to be doing a presbyopia management program and I was I was sad about that because I did really want it to work. I, I believe that there's a major place for this kind of technology. We just, I don't know that pylocarpine in, in any version's form is maybe what's going to get us there. But keep trying, guys. Like, keep bringing us some presbyopia management drop options, and I am happy to get it to my patients. And if something starts to work, I will sing the praises because I really want this in my practice if I can get people seeing with it. so.
2: Yeah. I I kind of think, you know, um there was a similar like, oh, I didn't quite realize that that was a potential side. So I think there was some, you know, lack of awareness on my part in the beginning when we were prescribing. And then I think, you know, the offering, but not having a resounding, like, wow factor just became a little fatiguing. And then I just kind of like Daryl, like I just, I wasn't in that zone, you know, I just kind of forgot about it. And, you know, moving to a BID dosing is like, okay, okay. But it wasn't enough to make me come out of my fatigue, you know? So, so, you know, when, when closely becomes available, I think that's the, this first quarter, I believe it's supposed to launch, like, I'll give this one a go. Definitely. Um, but you know, I think it's good. I agree with you, Jen. I think we we I think this there is potential in this space. We just need to get people more excited about it and uh, the potential and and it, its potential and where it can actually fit in someone's day to day. Because it's not maybe not an everyday thing. You know, it's maybe a situational thing. You know, it's just just thinking of it more.
0: Yeah. And I'll be honest with you. One thing that keeps me on my toes is having reps in my office. I welcome reps mm-hmm. into my office. And, you know, they kind of downsize in regards yeah. to the amount of reps that they have. So just yeah. not that constant reminder and yeah. me traveling and the patient care a couple days out the week. You know, I just wasn't able to put my hands on it as much. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, no but,
1: samples, no rep support. Like it makes it hard to talk your business. Yeah. Yeah,
0: but like I said, shout out to Allagan—they got amazing drops. They do amazing things. Got a uh, fantastic leadership team. Um, So y'all keep uh, making the magic happen, and we look forward to what you guys cooking up next. All right, Um, what else we got, Jen?
1: All right, well, I apologize if these numbers are incorrect, but I found these online on a research before our (laughs) podcast, and from the time from like when uh, VWD was FDA approved to when like early 2023. So this was like several years worth of data there had been 120,000 prescriptions written. Compare that to MIBO that got FDA approved in May or June-ish timeframe, that's had over 100,000 prescriptions written already in roughly six months of time. I think we can see that there's been a, a bigger slam-duck effect with how optometry is Mybo. MIBO. And so let's talk about what your experience has been in practice with this drop. I know you talked about it on your podcast really recently, Jackie, so it's sounded like you're a fan.
2: Yeah, I like Mybo. I I think that um, writing a prescription be, for Mybo became pretty easy when you knew that you were going to get the first month free for your patient. So I think that was really helpful to at least have the patient feel like they're not committing and the doctor even like, oh, okay, well, let's try it, you know, like and see if it actually works without this, you know, a cost commitment, whether there is one or is not. Um, but yeah, I like it. I've had um, patients that have found some use with this, using it situationally, which I thought was like not something that was, you know, that's not how it's prescribed. Okay. But it's four times a day, but the, like I have patients that ski and so they'll use the drop before they're skiing because that extra wind is like creating more evaporation. And this really helps kind of keep the tears on the eye longer. So I think there's a, a lot of different places that my bow can fit. What about yourself,
1: uh, Daryl?
0: Yeah, so I've prescribed it a couple of times, right? Um, I haven't. It hasn't really been a big tool in my tool belt yet, right? Um, I've been worried more about Demodex and um, leveraging now their other counterpart, Zydra, more. I mean, I'm still probably the number one prescriber for Zydra in the triangle I bit, uh, <laughs> but um, I, I I would like to do more. I just haven't done it. Again, it's one of those things where um, you I haven't seen the rep right so as much so it's just not top of mind that there's another option that's out there more than anything
2: this is like the beauty
0: of dry eye right here.
2: OK, yeah. So like people are not into dry like th- there are so many. We used to have just Restasis. We yeah. have Cydra, we have, you know, um, sequa. We have Vivi which Turbaya, is yeah. we have your yeah. We have you know, there's so many we extend V for that. We have you yeah, know, there's so many good things. It's sometimes I think there can be a little like process much to try. Like I just I'll try this. I know this works. Let me stick here. And then, you know, kind of we just need to like come out of our lane a little bit and try some other things. But it's wonderful that we have so many options. Yeah,
0: it's been overload. I mean, I was telling someone the other day might have been on a podcast, might have been in person, might have been both. Right. But this is like probably the best time to be an eye care, Mm -hmm. all the drugs, with all the technology, with all the scope expansion. Right with students coming out of school and, you know, getting their debt cut down because employers are paying for it or they're getting scholarships. I mean, who wouldn't want to be an optometrist in today's time? This is the best time to jump into this profession. Right. And a lot of it has to do with all the technology and drugs at our fingertips that we can prescribe.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's so true. I agree. I got some um, interesting numbers. I pulled uh, my Instagram audience earlier. Uh, about like what they're prescribing. I
0: afterwards. voted. I voted. I voted. Oh, did you Thank you for, voted.
1: for voting. And it's interesting because like I feel like the optometrists on Instagram are probably the ones more active in optometry. I mean like they're probably more likely to embrace new technology. This is me making an assumption. But just across the board there were more people not prescribing any of these drops than mm-hmm. so. So like with UID, 69% of people said they had not written a prescription all of last year. 61% of them had not prescribed MIBO at all, 69% had not prescribed x yet, oh, wow. so um, exactly. there's a lot of stuff out there that is maybe, has even more room to be getting embraced, but all of these drops have their own pros and cons, and they're not going to be universally right for every single patient, so I think it goes back to what you were saying, Jackie, where it's like, we're, we're still scratching the surface about who needs what when, and trying to figure all that out.
2: Yeah,
0: totally. So Jackie, I'm curious, since you're the Oculus Surface expert and this is your realm, <laughs> how, how are you approaching when you have to have, um, you know, a hybrid approach, right? Like, will there be a time for Zydra and Maibo, right? Like, what does yeah. that look like, especially coming from the same organization? Uh, what does that look like with prior authorizations? Um what does it look like with Zydra and Rista? Like, what are you doing with these scenarios? Is this taking place? Are you prescribing this way? Kind of paint that picture because I'm curious yeah. to know how I can take it to the next level with dry eye management in my practice. Because I dabble a little bit in dry eye too, Jackie. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you do a lot. You're too too busy talking about all these uh, recording glasses. That's why you're spending all your time with the, yeah. (laughs) That's a long conversation to have. (laughs) No, I, I, um, I, my approach with a dry eye patient, and I tell them this is that I want to do the least amount to you to make you better, because there is sometimes Mm. a treatment burden that can easily happen with a dry eye patient. Because Oh, well we, you have left, let's use and Let's use the wipe. And then you have to, you know, inflammation, you're a positive. Okay. So now we need to like, calm you down let's do a short-term steroid and then let's think long-term like you can fatigue someone real quick with that. So I kind of lay it out there and I, I really am just looking at like, Oh, is there inflammation that we need to quiet or is there obstruction? I just, I find my point that seems to be the most, um, you know, it's never one thing, as you said, it's it's always multifactorial. And a lot of it is also sometimes what the patient is doing to themselves, lash serums, they don't tell you that unless you ask specifically. So there's a lot of like self inflicted dryness that's happening. And I think I, I just try to tease out the most offensive thing first, treat it, and then like, press, you know, so like, it, okay, how did we do? Let's see you back. How are we doing? How are we feeling? I, I certainly use a speed score, but I honestly find it very useful. To just say rate your dryness on a scale of one to ten for me. So yeah. then I know how how. Tell me quickly like how quick how much better are we? And if someone's like, "Oh, I went from like an eight now to I'm um, to a 6 I'm like, "That's great, but six still sucks, right?" Like, do yeah. you like being a six? Like, we could make that better, and then the patient's more on board too. And and I you know I think them feeling like one that there's hope. Like I'll give you an example. I had a patient today who saw um, another doctor in a hospital setting and this patient has ocularization and I had seen her previously for this as well. And she was told that there's, there's nothing to do for ocularization. She just has to deal. And I was like, so this woman calls, she's calling because she wants tear care and, and, and or IPL it was a long conversation, but she's calling to be like, you know, I just want to do something. I'm miserable. And I, I get that. I just have to live with this. And I'm just like, you do not like, so it's also listening. What is the patient's symptom? And just trying to tackle that, because I, I don't know if you guys find that, but it is very easy to say, oh, well, I can make you better, like easily. Just You just have to do 10 things. And the patient's like, oh my God. You know like i can't so it's a balance of like it's it's also a conversation with the patient how do you feel about this like tell me honestly you think you're going to do that if not that's fine we'll go step you know you think you'll do at home therapies warm compresses no fine let's do it to your care in the office and just take that off your plate you know yeah, so that's
0: how I handle it. I, I love the the partnership aspect, right? When you start to incorporate the patient into the the treatment, into the management, they take more ownership. Mm-hmm. And I do something similar. I always ask my patients or have that conversation and include them, like, "Hey, this is what we can do." Or they may be like, "Hey, Dr. Glover, I'm not going downstairs to warm up this bruder's mass. I'm in my bed at that time at night. What else is available?" So then maybe I might pivot to ever tears, right? Something Mm -hmm. they can put on their eyes without having to go down to warm up at night, right? So it's like, how can you partner with that patient to give them the right solution to increase or make the quality of life better? But I think you touched on one word that was very heavy, and I hope everyone caught it. And that's the listen. Mm -hmm. As healthcare professionals, as optometrists, we have to listen to our patients. We can't just go in there with the approach that you have dry eye and we're going to give you whatever drug and keep it moving you got to listen you got to follow and you got to continue to execute but make sure you keep them a part of the situation as well so great gems jackie i I really appreciate that
2: yeah i think the other thing is that i i also tell them like let's start here but i Mm -hmm. make sure that they know there are other options because that is also a big problem and and with dry eye there's a lot of sometimes hand holding with a patient and so I don't want them to think like this patient that I talked to on the phone today, who was like, I'm just you know, I just don't have any hope that this is going to improve. And I'm like, oh, my God, like this isn't who gave you that information. That's not correct. You know, so I just tell them we start here. And then if this is not helping, I have many things at my treatment ladder that we can kind of go to. So I don't want you to think I don't want you to sit and be miserable. You know, like I have options that can help you.
0: And you know what else that I've started doing as well is um, asking them, what have they done? Right. Um, it'll Tell me the name of the drug or the drop. Right. But then also take it a step further. How long did you do this treatment with this mm-hmm. drop or drug? Right. Because a lot of times someone will say I tried and it didn't work and they only gave it like a week mm-hmm. of, uh, of trying it out. Right. And I'm like, no, th- this takes time. Right. So it's yeah. like you got to uh, dig a little deeper to make sure you get the full story and listen to the full story in order to find the, the best solution for that patient as well. Mm-hmm.
2: Sometimes with that is that you, the patient really can only retain so much information that you're telling them. And I talk a lot, as you can see. So like, I have a handout that I'm like, we're doing this that has a direction. So like, it, they don't have to remember that they need to actually use this for a few months before. Yeah, it yeah. I mean, I said that in the exam room, but like, are they going to remember? So, um, you know, so providing proper education in paper form sometimes will help.
0: Yeah, we we do the same thing at uh, my doctor. where. are uh doing some dry eye stuff for running a pilot we just had an article in one of these magazines out there um and you know we're we're doing inflammatory dry uh um uh, we're using drops. We're doing mask. Uh, we got some doctors firing off with the IPLs. Um, we're doing all that full scope stuff, and we're really making an impact and making a change. And it's something that we're definitely going to build throughout the entire organization as well. Because dry eye is a major issue, y'all. It's not going anywhere. It's a great opportunity to bring loyalty to your practice. It's a great opportunity to increase that bottom line. But most importantly, it's going to help that patient live their best life. It's going to help them see. It's going to help them elevate anything that they do. So why not take full advantage of that opportunity at your fingertips day in and day out.
1: Yeah. Well, Definitely. I'm going to, I'm going to give a, an RIP to something that. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> the dry face. I feel like if you were reading journals and listening to buzzy optometry podcasts, you were thinking ripoxylap. That is the, the next Holy grail and dry eye. Like we were, I don't know. Everyone was so in on Rask and I told my husband, I was like, oh, there's this company. You need to buy stock because it's going to get approved. (laughs)
0: Luckily,
1: he didn't listen to me because (laughs) they did not meet their endpoints, unfortunately. And so, um, RIP for app. I didn't
0: even even know about that one. I think
2: this was was one of my I think this was one of the ones I was excited for, for the, Mm -hmm. that I said last year. I was like, I'm really excited for this Raspin. A lot of people
1: were talking about this. Like it was going to be such a huge game changer.
2: Which yeah. you know maybe there will be a turnaround. I mean, they they the FDA is requiring them to submit another trial to show efficacy. They just didn't feel that that what they had shown in their trials were um, was reasonable efficacy. So they may be submitting another trial, but that cost. You know, I don't know. So a lot of money. So expensive. For them. So I, I don't know where they are on that front, but you know, ugh, I was so excited for that one. It was going to work in minutes.
1: Wow. In minutes. Right. Like no wonder an anti-inflammatory. Without a burning, singing side effect that was oh, going yeah. to recover the uh, like be so fast acting. Of course, we were all about it. You
0: vaguely remember this conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Maybe,
2: maybe, you never, you never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, um, yeah, it was gonna, it was gonna be great. So I don't know. Hopefully, maybe I don't know. Something will happen. But I yes. I'm glad you brought that up, Jen.
1: <laughs> Only in so it was like it was like if a tree falls in the woods, they're I was like, who cares? But a few people are still mourning it.
2: <laughs> yes, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about what we're looking forward to this year any big technology that you're th- planning on maybe considering bringing into your practice for 2024?
0: Oh, Jen, you, you forgot one, Jen. You forgot a big one, because you did oh, a series oh, on okay. that.
2: Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. I didn't talk about geographic atrophy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I got so into dry Um, Yes. Not one but two geographic atrophy treatments got FDA approval. These treatments are injections into the eye that will slow down the progression of geographic atrophy by roughly 35%. Um, have you had patients to get these treatments yet?
2: I have not. And I, it's funny. um, I actually just talked to my retina specialist about this. I was like, are you doing these treatments? And um, he was saying there's been some issue with coverage on the treatments, So he hasn't really been using them, but um, I think they might soon. Uh, But I haven't had any patients that have been on either of these medications.
0: Daryl, what about yourself? Yeah, so my patient base, not really going to see, right? Mm-hmm. So I haven't had too many, but I do know that Defocus Media has partnered with Iveric Bio, um, and we've had an incredible podcast series that Dr. Jennifer Lyerly has hosted, and she has talked to some of the latest, or not the latest, the best and the greatest and the biggest names in eye care. Jen, before you go too far, do you mind just sharing your experience and talking about some of those guys that you interviewed? Because it's it, it was game-changing, just not even what the drug could do for the the partner, but just the way some of our colleagues communicate with their patients, how they communicate with their teams, and how they look at the problem at hand. I I was just touched by some of the content that you kicked out, Jen.
1: Yeah, I mean, our our conversations were very much around rethinking what we even look for in macular (laughs) degeneration patients. I think we've been so focused our entire careers on finding wet. Because that's all you really cared about was when are those drusen, When's that converting from dry to wet? And that's when we need to make the referral. All right. So now we have to start thinking different and start looking for early geographic atrophy, which, by the way, you're probably not going to see when you look in a dilated eye exam, like you're going to need a special piece of equipment to see it OCT or fundus autopilot on photos, because if it's big enough for you to see when you're doing the fundus exam, you have miss a boat on when you could intervene. Um, so really starting to leverage our higher technology in those patients. And it has, like, I have been historically really underutilizing fundus autofluorescence photos, and it is a must do as we start to rethink how we look at macular degeneration. So check this podcast out because you're going to learn how to utilize the technology that you have to better advocate for your patients.
0: <laughs> what were the two drugs, Jen, that we had, Azerve Arz- 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 Ar- and Azervay Ar- and what else?
1: Well, and syphovry is how I'm saying it, though I'm sure I'm maybe not saying it correctly. No,
2: sy- syphovry. That's right. Syphovry. syphovry. Okay. okay. And I
1: have been told um, by our local Iveric bio rep that our big retina specialist group, um, NC Retina here locally, is a big prescriber of this. So people oh. in our area are getting it, though I personally haven't had a patient yet to make this referral. But I'm looking for them better than I ever have before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, shout out, shout out to NC Ratna. Shout out to Dr. Bennett. I know I've shot him out numerous times on podcasts, but um, that team over there, they've been A1 since I was a technician, right? Um, they know how to make it happen. They, they take the best care of patients. If you're in North Carolina, the triangle, even on the outskirts, you need to refer to this group. They hands down are the best out there.
1: So now we'll talk about new tech. Coming for 2024. Um, anything you're planning on adding to your office? Because apparently you already have external cameras, so you don't yeah. need that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Radio frequency is always on my you know potential list of things. Something I did just add, which I don't have much experience to tell you about how well it's going, is the um, TPOC system from Versailles. I don't know if you've heard of that, but that is a point yeah. of care testing where you can take a sample of someone's tear film and it can read uh, two separate tests. One is IgE. So how much allergy is just sitting in a patient's tear film and the other is lactoferrin, which is a, a, a direct response to how well the lacrimal gland is functioning. So this is going to be useful for these Sjogren's um, you know, or, or questionable Sjogren's patients, anyone with a lacrimal gland deficiency, you just take like it's a little micro pipette, and you just take a little sample of tear film and run it through. It kind of looks like a COVID test Um, so I just, just finished the training for that. And we're just finishing up all of the, um, pre-testing on, you know, making the machine, making sure the machine's accurate. So that's something I just added, which, you know, I'm kind of excited to use on a patient and, um, see how that might be changing what I'm, what I'm doing. And, and also, you know, is this a good opportunity for me to talk to a rheumatologist and tell them about this particular device and that we have this in, in the office. I mean, Shermer testing is, you know, what I have, what I use, but like, can we be more accurate and can we be better? And that's the, that's the theory behind it because you get a quantitative number associated, you know, with that. So same thing for IgE, you'll actually be able to see, and sometimes there's just so much overlap between dry eye and allergy. And sometimes it's hard to tease out which one is the bigger offender. And so, um, you know, I think this testing will be, you know, interesting to see how this plays out in my practice. So that's something I literally just added, but I'll um, keep you posted.
1: That sounds incredible. I think that's really, and I I have often wondered about like, because some of my patients come in and they're like, I may have Sjogren's. And it seems like it's been very difficult to get a diagnosis at rheumatology, though Mm -hmm. they're familiar with the condition and their doctor thinks they might have it. So this would be kind of helping to make a confirmatory diagnosis, it sounds like.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's not like the standard of care, obviously. I mean, anytime we're talking about that, it's like Shermer testing and then like a biopsy, but like, um, you know, I think it, I think it will help. And I think, I think this is, this is the way it needs to go, right. With like, can we be better and more specific on how we diagnose our dry eye patients and then therefore provide a better treatment for them based on what we're you know finding. And the, the same within inflammatory too, is another point of care testing, but what will be useful is like another one that has a quantitative measurement how inflamed are we you know just instead of like the lines of you know po- you know positive medium positive whatever but i think all of this is like really more tailored medicine and tailored diagnostics which can then just help us better treat our patients
0: so that's a new one it's nice it's dope i like it she always got she always got something cutting edge right <laughs> yeah This is ocular surface.
1: (laughs) We're considering radio frequency too. We have IPL and it's kind of like a, a a nice adjunctive, but it's just for me, kind of one of the things that I always think about is like, how much more conversation are we going to have in the world of cosmetics? I know radio frequency has some additive value as a dry eye treatment as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it can feel like it's starting to get bogged down. So I feel like until we get really good about talking about IPL and tear care, maybe adding a third thing to that might feel like it's just going to muddy the waters a little mm-hmm. bit until we can help our patients differentiate between those two really well. But it's, it's on the radar as something we're considering. Yeah, same. Um, the other thing I really need is a way of measuring axial length again, because my IOL master broke. Oh that's so good. But it is nice to have, especially because I really hope I have no inside information and I this is I'm probably wrong. But 2024, could it be the year that the myopia controlled glasses finally get here? I really want the myopia <laughs> control glasses. I will yeah. we'll be done with atropine. I won't even think about returning atropine. I will just yeah. I can't wait. I, really I,
0: that. I mean, honestly, I, I think whenever those glasses come out, I mean, it's gonna change the game for eye care just in general, right? Because everyone wants to make their money off of their glasses and their lenses, right? Um, and they feel more comfortable than you know doing um, ortho K, um, you know, atropine, and even some doctors are still afraid to do my sight, which I don't understand. I mean, it's the mm-hmm. it's just like fitting up any other contact lens out there, right? Yeah. Um, but when you talk about glasses, you're talking in language. Right. So it just makes life a lot easier. And it's easier to communicate with patients as well. Right. So I'm with you, Jen. I can't wait for uh, the lens to drop.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of thought it would already be here. You know? yeah. I mean, I don't see a lot of peds patients. So this isn't really something that I'm like, oh, my God, I can't wait. Um, but like it is going to be great. I mean, what a great option for you know, glasses are relatable to a patient. Uh, atropine requires talking, ortho care requires, you know, requires like patient mom and dad buy in on what we're actually doing to the child. So, you know, glasses are so easy, like, oh, let's do that, you know? Yeah,
1: I'm I'm hopeful. Obviously there's a lot of data from a lot of other countries and I'm sure it's just awaiting a FDA approval, which always mm-hmm. takes time. Mm-hmm. I do believe s Exotica feels like it must be soon because they're putting a lot of money into educating doctors about mm. the condition and about what's coming in so they i don't think they would have been investing in that so much if they didn't feel like it was sooner rather than later so hopefully this is the year <laughs> um, oh, the okay. other thing that's really on my radar and this is kind of circling back to the first thing we talked about is and i thought this was going to be here already too and i'm surprised we're getting into 2024 and this hasn't happened yet but the veterans affairs national standards of practice It's still not finalized this was a big thing we talked about that was coming out theoretically in 2023 in september of 2023 there was a hearing at the house of representatives where people had a chance to address concerns about what was going to happen so obviously like in increasing the standard of of care that a nurse practitioner or an optometrist or another provider can do at the va hospital will concern the medical community and they're going to have some pushback about this but a global standard of care that's not varying state to state obviously is very advantageous to the VA to simplify things and increase access of care. So it's going to be interesting where everything shakes out. And I feel like depending on which way the VA goes, it will greatly steer the path of what happens on state scope expansion measurements.
0: Glad this
2: is a great. You got to call, you got to read this one. This is great. I don't know. Can people see this one?
0: Yeah, they can see it if they're watching it live. So, Jen, thanks for that feedback and that information. But we just got a, a message here for him. Um, uh, last name is Kun- uh, Um, As a myopia management enthusiast, myself from Australia, shout out to Australia. What time is it out there, nice. my friend? Um, the myopia control glasses have made a game changer in the industry. Parents are willing to try it a go for their kids and also more affordable price point as well. Mm-hmm. So again, it's that that's what thats what parents know, right? When you're talking about younger kids, right? You tell a kid uh, that's a young... I had a kid in today, we were talking about my site, and they were young, they were like seven years old, and they are like, you talking about contacts? I don't know about contacts with my child. You talking about drops? I don't know about drops, right? Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. like, no, but they're like, I, this is a concern, so maybe we could try it out, but they're kind of lost in the sauce, Right. But when you have glasses, something that they know that they see, that they can, you know, physically see on their 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 kid, it changes the game. It just makes it easier.
1: I'm yeah. so thrilled that it's been successful for you in Australia. Yeah, yeah.
2: that
1: is great. Good yeah.
0: Feeling. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, too. We really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, make sure you go to iTunes or whatever platform and give us five stars. We appreciate the love, my friend.
2: Girl, I love that you're always working that you like are always working as <laughs> a single. You know what? We had a podcast on that. We talked about that podcast. Right? You guys know what? Jen talked about that podcast. We got
0: <laughs> Hey, you know what, Jackie? I was going back looking through some of the podcasts. And I can't lie, Jen and I have covered damn near every topic hey. in idea that you can think of. Yes. And like when you go back and listen to some of our older podcasts, I'm just kind of like, wow, like. This was ahead of its time, right? Like some of the topics, the way that we were talking about it, like seriously, That's like it, yeah, yeah. it's good stuff. Uh, well, in more there, people are
2: podcasting now, so I guess it was ahead of its time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but uh, without, so when it comes to technology from our practice, uh, you know, we just got a lot of uh, new equipment and um, we're, we're bringing teleoptometry into our practice and uh, for those that may be unfamiliar with my practice, Jen, you know I'm in uh, Briar Creek. It's a flagship location in my eye doctor. It's about 6,500 square feet. Feet, uh, eight exam lanes, uh, free four pre-testing room, a couple special testing rooms, large um, optical floor. Every frame you could think of: Chanel, Prada, Oliver Peoples, um, uh, Cutler and Gross, Fossil, you name it, we carry it, right? Um, but We all know there's a need for more optometrists and there's a shortage, right? So, um, you know, those days where I'm traveling and I can't be there, you know, it'd be great to have that additional resource and to be able to have, um, you know, what we call video assisted eye health exams. Um, You know, we're bringing that to my location. So we're getting a lot of cool uh, tools and toys. So now we got an Optos before we have fundus cameras and DRS cameras. Um, We're also getting some device. I can't recall the name where it checks uh, for APDs more accurate than humans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like kinetics or something like that. I can't remember the yeah. exact name. And then the uh, slit lamp, I think is going to be that new one or the one that's been around where the doctor can control it from wherever they're at mm-hmm. to examine the eye. So like we're taking it to the next level, right? I think if there's any team out there that has mastered teleoptometry, it's probably my organization, My Eye Doctor. And the reason why is because we've invested a lot of time with this technology. We've sat down with the insurance companies, Um, And we also, our chief medical officer, Dr. Artis Beatty, he actually does teleoptometry so he can learn more of it firsthand and have these conversations. So heavy investment in it. Super excited to see what it's going to do to the practice in the bottom line. And I cannot wait to uh, have this conversation next year to update you on it as well. So that's where we're at for technology in my office. You
1: know what? I, uh, as a, a local doctor that practices in your city, I'm so glad you're doing that. Because it helps my private practice stand out for in-person care, so
2: I think for everybody, you know, it
1: makes us more different when we're doing things differently, and it makes it more easy to be like, okay, what do you want? This is the kind of exam you get here. It's different than that exam there. Like it differentiates us. I think that's cool.
0: And you know what's so crazy is this that um, we actually have patients that want this experience. I know right? some people they say actively it, they actively seek it, right? Mm-hmm. So you know you got to meet patients where they are, right? Um, the way of healthcare, the way of eye care, is no longer the same, right? And it's up to us as optometrists to make sure that we own this technology, we own the narrative of it, right? And that means we got to get dirty, we got to put our hands on this, and we got to make this magic happen. So. Um, can't wait to see where it goes. We've been doing it for quite a bit of time, and it's been very successful. Um, but again, um, just incredible technology, and I'm just super excited and blessed to be a part of a team that has uh, really looked at it from top to bottom as well. So, um, you know, shout out to my team out there for making that magic happen.
2: That's exciting. i'm I'm excited to hear how that how that works. I think there's got to be some really great utility of that for these remote places where they don't have providers. like what a what a phenomenal thing to be able to bring to them so
1: yeah i completely understand yeah i agree and i have not i mean we're i'm yes i see people driving from Greensboro, from virginia from south carolina but they're coming for scleral lenses they're coming for care they're coming for things that really can't be managed remotely
0: i don't want any of those <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's why I'm just saying like like this is just like you said at the top of the show Jackie like you're gonna realize at the beginning of your career it is important to dabble it's important to try a lot of things to get your feet wet to get experiences yes. and then as you get into this more middle part of our career you found what you love and you specialize in it and you you don't try to be everything to everybody mm-hmm. you know who your patients are you know what you're doing for them and you know when to refer them when they need something different than you and that's Kind of embracing optometry
0: at this stage in our career yeah absolutely mm-hmm. we all this has been a fantastic show i think it's only right for us to really discuss when we're going to see each other again uh, <laughs> i know topic the show we were like hey we used to see each other all the time because we always went to all the conferences um <laughs> i know um i could see jen whenever because she's here in my backyard but jen and i will be at the aoa giving oh. a class this year right jen <laughs>
1: that's right we are speaking on marketing your eye care practice at the optometries meeting. Are you gonna be at the optometries meeting?
2: Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, I'm gonna look up your lecture. That's great. Marketing, love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh.
1: and then any other conferences that y'all are gonna be speaking at or doing things at that you wanna share with the audience?
0: So I, I will attend pretty much everything from Vision Expo East. Well, let's take it from the beginning. SECO, Vision Expo East, um, Academy, um, AOA, uh, Vision Expo West, and uh, National Optometric Association. So I'll be at all the different conferences. Won't really be speaking at all of them, um, but I'll be there in attendance, helping out with my team more than anything. What about yourself, Dr. Jackie?
2: I'm going to, I'll be speaking at AOA, Optometry's meeting, and then I'll be at, um, I'll be speaking at a... Academy? Wait, do I know that yet? Wait, we just submitted the lecture. Yeah. Yeah, just, is that <laughs> is that, I'm, I'm just overly optimistic. I'll be, me, <laughs> Don't worry, that'll get that abstract. That that outline's gonna get accepted.
0: There you go. Talk that talk. I love it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I'll be at Academy too. So those are always my two meetings that I that I go to. I was gonna go to SECO, but it overlaps with my daughter's birthday. So oh, family
0: it. first. All day, every day.
2: Yeah. So I will be, if you guys happen to be at IDOC, I
1: will be there. It's coming up really soon, February, uh, around Valentine's Day timeframe. And come to my lecture about billing and coding for scleral contact lenses.
2: Daryl's going to be front row. (laughs) Daryl, you can't wait
1: to learn about that. (laughs) 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 Um, I, North Carolina Optometric Society, I'm trying to put together a lecture for our June meeting um, in the spring. So I'm going to see if I can get that done in time. About the um, boomer generation and caring for their geriatric eye care needs.
2: Mm.
1: Yes. Cool. As you can imagine, there will be a focus on geographic atrophy.
0: (laughs) Right. right. Well, hey, you got enough knowledge of it, Jed.
1: Now I know. That's how I'm going to put this in in lecture form. So pray for me that I can get that lecture written (laughs) in enough time. (laughs) And
2: I'll see you guys at AOA. Yay. Yay. Thanks for having me on. This was
0: awesome. Yeah, I just want to say thank you to both of you. I mean, you two are two, you know, um, huge names in eye care, and I just love to watch you from afar just do the amazing work, whether it's myopia control, whether it's ocular surface stuff, whether it's just, you know, pushing for better policy or whatever it may be. Just continue the great work. Um, I really enjoy it. And uh, thank you for just making eye care great. Um, thank you for everyone that tuned in today. Uh, Jen and I don't take it lightly that you tune in and listen to us on a regular, uh, cadence, regular basis. We really appreciate it. And, uh, we hope that you continue to work together to push this profession forward. And, uh, thanks again for coming out to our podcast party. All right, peace. All right, colleagues. And it's a wrap. Thank you dearly for hanging out with the Defocus Media team. We hope truly something resonated with you. And if it did, be sure to give us five stars and make sure you follow us on all social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. And our handle is at Defocus Media on all platforms. And until next time, be sure to keep it 2020, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.